welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. I'm Simon Kraft, and who's alongside me? I'm so happy because today I found my friends. It's been a spin-off. It is, and Ben, you don't appear to be in your usual West Yorkshire residence. Uh, what's going on? You're absolutely correct, well observed, and I'm currently um, mooching off my parents for a few days, uh, spending some time with my family. It's just completely unrelated that uh, York are at home on two of the days that um, I'm back here in the city, so please don't read too much into that. Yeah, an unfortunate coincidence. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you have your, your standard headset with you, so if the audio quality uh, isn't quite up to usual standards, then blame Ben. And have you got any, any tipples on the go? There are your parents, Ben. I am drinking a fiery ginger iron brew sour by Vault City. Fiery ginger, not the only fiery ginger on this podcast, eh? I tell you what, there was a fiery ginger leaving the East End yesterday, if you listen to what Dave Ward had to say. Right, we'll come on to that. <laughs> no alcohol on, on my part. I'm go- I'm enjoying an orange squash. And at a halfway point, I think I'll have a cup of tea. But um, no, off the sauce for this evening. Trying to keep, keep a clear head. as We got, have got quite a lot to get through this evening, haven't we, Simon? We have. We've got two games to cover, uh, both of which were at home and both of which finished one all. Same score lines, probably slightly contrasting performances. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's let's get straight down to it. So, York City won, Dagenham and Redbridge won from Saturday. So there were a couple of changes. Uh, Dan Batty and Billy Chadwick dropped out from the Dorking defeat. And in came Paddy McLaughlin and Lenny John Lewis. So a couple of reliable older heads in there i'm assuming batty just maybe wasn't quite ready to play 90 minutes twice in a week i think that's just the longer shot of it simon i think you've covered it exactly how it should be covered um we want to see batty playing 90 minutes of every game i think as he's being nursed back to full fitness and you know this something of a dog fight that we find ourselves in it's best that we nurse him as well as we can and yeah clearly he was um on the bench to be brought on later on in the fixture but we didn't really come firing out the blocks in this one, I think it's fair to say. We've generally been decent first half and then dropped off a bit second half, but it was it was kind of the other way around, if anything, in this game. Dagenham were on top right from the off, as I recall it. So it wasn't a great surprise when they took the lead after 11 minutes. And it came, came from a corner. It was Adam Crooks who conceded the corner, um, and it was swung in to Jake Hessenthaler at the near post, who didn't look like he was being tracked closely enough. Uh, there was Crooks and Woodyard quite close to him, but he got his head to it and, and headed it just under Sykes Kenworthy's outstretched palm. So, yeah, not a great start. What were your thoughts on, on this opening goal? Yeah, very frustrating, wasn't it? Because um, I can't think off the top of my head that set pieces have not been a weakness of ours. We've done well at defending them. Certainly nothing springs to mind for, for when, when I'm thinking about the goals that we have conceded this season. Um, you're right, Crooks and Woodyard do seem to be beaten a little bit too easily by the cross. Decent enough little header, I suppose. But it was also rather surprising, wasn't it? Because as you just mentioned, we don't tend to concede goals that early, if at all at the moment, really. So um, to go down, what, 11 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it was, it's quite surprising. So um, we were certainly um, annoyed and um, angered to concede so early, but I dare say we were kind of jolted away, weren't we, as a fan base and uh, more so as, I think, um, as a team. They they tried to react to it, didn't they? Yeah, but it was Dagenham who carried on having the best chances, I think. They really should have been 2-0 mm. up quite soon after. There was a quick attack through Pereira, um, who played mm-hmm. it to Hill, who then played it through to Freddie Sears, uh, whose name we, we sort of recognised and, and chortled about a bit. And he somehow contrived to put it wide from about eight yards with the goal really gaping and yeah when he was through we were starting to get flashbacks to that Hartlepool first half at home yeah um, where where there was a side absolutely you know sort of taken us apart but luckily he missed that one um and we were very thankful for that no I totally agree with you there Simon and also it's worth knowing that the noticeably fewer Dagenham and Redbridge supporters in the way end obviously due to the travel restrictions um from London on the weekend they would have been very very annoyed at the miss from Sears. It's not quite open goal. I don't think, um, I think that's being a little bit over the top, but it's it's one, he's only got um, the keeper to beat. He's got a lot of the goal to aim at. Yeah, I don't think there's much of an excuse. I dare say it's an easier chance than um, 
what Davis faced at Southend, if I'm totally honest. At least, you know, that came at him quickly. This was a great piece of build-up play. You would not have said further than that had Sears put this into the top bottom corner and Dagenham Beveridge gone two up. But, oof, I can imagine on the way home, presumably on the coach, as opposed to the train, the uh, Dagenham fans would be uh, spitting feathers about that one. We did have some chances ourselves. There wasn't really any great fluency from either team. It was it was a bit of a mm. classic non-league ball being in the air quite a lot. But we did manage to, to get a chance from a corner. And there was some good footwork by Finn Barnes to bring it forward, uh, which resulted in a corner. Yes, it was, lo- lovely little t- it was a lovely little turn from Finn, wasn't it, to get out of trouble in the uh, middle third of the, of the of the pitch to then run forward with it. I mean, that's something that's been so missing from the York side since we reverted to the 3-5-2. It's been defensively solid, but it's not because it's been so solid and so uh, rigid in, it, in its setup. There's been a lack of creativity and excitement. So for, for Finley to decide, you know, okay, I'm going to go and run here, space opened up. And um, I know Dippo then won the, the corner, didn't he, with a, with a cross or a shot, whatever he tried to do. But it was good to see a player with the you know technical and creative mind like Finn's. I think, I right, stuff it, I'm going to go on a bit of a run here and see what happens. So um, sort of thing that gets bums off seats, isn't it? So, yeah, good to see from Finley. Yeah, so that ended up in a corner taken by Amos, who seems to be pretty much taking all of our set pieces now. Mm. And Amos found the head of Adam Crooks, whose head had beat the keeper, but there was a covering defender there to head it off the line. Um, so, yeah, very close to the equaliser, that one. Crooks hadn't had a great start to the game. He looked iffy against uh, against Dorking, a new big pun. So it would have been good for the you know for the narrative had he the one that let like a salmon and got the header in the equaliser, but unfortunately it wasn't to be on this occasion. Yeah, and we were edging towards half-time. Some fans were, were heading to the bar. Uh, naming naming no names, but those who stayed <laughs> got to see a couple of notable things. The first one was when Dippo Akinyemi went down injured, um, and he, he was down for a fair while, and it seemed fairly clear he was going to have to come off. Mm. So Will Davis came on in his place after 43 minutes, and, you know, we're thinking, ah, we're, we're losing, we're not playing great. Now our main attacking threats come off. This This doesn't bode well. But weirdly enough... It was actually Dagenham who who seemed to switch off from that stoppage because it was mm-hmm. the next minute where we managed to get the equaliser. It came from a throw-in over on the left. Some decent work by John Lewis to sort of use his physicality, keep the ball in play, pass it to Danny Amos. And Amos swung across in and rushing in at the far post <laughs> was his opposite wing-back, Ryan Fallowfield, who got in front of the defender uh, to volley at home. We hadn't necessarily been playing great, but that was a good sort of individual piece of play and in particular a really good finish. Yeah, it's almost like a striker's finish in a way, isn't it? The way he gets um, ahead of his man, sticks the leg out uh, and puts it past the keeper rather comfortably. Fallowfield's been, you know, popping up with these goals and these moments this season. Thank goodness he did it at this point as well because obviously, was it 43 minutes, 44 minutes? Um, Yeah, a really impressive uh, passage of play. You mentioned a shop's physicality there, and he do right to do so. He really put it about in that first half, trying to create space, and he did it fantastically at this point. Lovely little cross from Amos. You know, if you were a striker, you'd be happy with that sort of service. So for um, that to be the assist for a right wing back is um, a bit bizarre, but you know, hey, wasn't what hasn't been bizarre about York season this year. Moving into the second half, the first thing I wanted to comment on were some of the refereeing decisions, and mm. in particular, there was a. There's a really blatant shirt pull on Will Davis uh, where he basically tried to rip the shirt off his back, which didn't even get given <laughs> as a foul. Um, there were a number of similar ones. Mm. Um, and yeah, after expecting Mr. Aspinall against Dawkins to be a pantomime villain, he was actually fairly quiet, whereas this referee seemed to get quite a few decisions wrong, in in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, the, the Davis shirt pull has been included on the match highlights, hasn't it? And likely so. I, I don't think there's any some sort. I don't. I, I genuinely don't believe there's any sort of conspiratorial, you know, um, agenda against the Oxford Football Club. We're not that big. We're not that famous. Yeah, that's what they want you to think. <laughs> no, um, it's worse than that. It's just sheer incompetence. Unfortunately, you try finding a trying to find a bloke who's enough to ref, you know referee to a good standard. He'll put, you know do a Division Five football match. So yeah, very very frustrating. Next chance I've got written down was Will Smith heading over from a corner. Mm-hmm. We seem to be 
doing a bit better on set pieces since we've got Amos. We seem to be getting more chances from mm. set pieces. Um, so that was definitely a half chance, but Dagenham had more than a half chance from their own corner uh, when they hit the bar. So they had a corner from the left, headed back across goal to Reese, who heads it onto the bar uh, and over. Now, weirdly, it sort of doesn't really look like it's ever going in, and I feel like maybe Sykes Kenworthy had it covered. So even though it hit the bar, I don't necessarily think it was a let-off. Um, would you agree with that? You know what? That was exactly my thinking when I watched the opportunity back on the highlights. You've pretty much covered what I was going to say. I think um, if you look at where Sykes Kenworthy's hand is in relation to the ball hitting the crossbar and going over, I think he has it covered. So, yeah, in terms of the stats, I can hit the woodwork. Absolutely fine, not questioning that. But I don't, I don't think it was a, you know, a glaring opportunity that um, Dagenham would be ruining. Because I'm fairly certain our George had that one covered. Yeah, and I think it was against the run of play because we definitely looked improved in the second half. I'd say Dagenham had the better of the first half. We may be a bit lucky to go in level, mm. uh, but we showed a lot more sort of energy. It still wasn't always coming off. You know, we weren't playing flowing football, but we were. We're definitely putting the effort in at least second half. I would agree with that completely, but I would also want to temper it by saying whilst we were on top, it's that double-edged sword of, well, I think Dagenham let us go on top. We were. <laughs> and then kind of decided, well, you know, you can just, you know, you, you're, you're the ones that are going to be in charge of this match. What can you do? Can you break us down? So they were challenging, challenging us to do so. I think we like that little bit of creativity and a bit of that intelligence to to break down a rather mediocre team. You know, it's not even like Dagenham uh, near the playoffs there in the Maya, just like us. I certainly don't recall the keeper making any saves. The only chance I can think of after the crossbar for hit for Dagenham would be um, Smith when he puts it over with his left foot. A decent opportunity, but, you know, absolutely, he's he's done well to get an effort away. You know, he's, he's a defender, he's not a striker on his wrong foot. But no, I, I can't think of too many of the, you know, grand opportunities that we're, you know, that we missed out on here. I think... Um, yeah, it was a bit of a stodgy ball draw. Yeah, so I did have the, the Will Smith chance over the bar mm. down, but like you say, there wasn't much in the way of clear-cut chances until stoppage time when there was that sort of mix-up with Sykes Kenworthy. And yeah, it's pretty mm. clear on the highlights that it should be a York throw-in, and it's given to Dagenham incorrectly. And at this point, you're getting flashbacks to Ebbsfleet at home uh, with, with Maz and the water bottle. Yeah, absolutely spot on that. If it could happen to anyone, it could happen to us. I totally agree. They took the throwing quickly. There's a mix-up between Fallowfield and Sykes Kenworthy. Mm. It seemed like Fallowfield had enough time to, you know, hook the ball out of play or something. But I'm assuming GSK's, you know, made a shout or something for him to leave it. Oh, he must have got the call. If he's doing, if Fallowfield's not not putting that out of play, he must have got the call. They end up sort of both getting beaten to it by the the Dagenham attacker running through and. GSK um, sticks a leg out and fouls him just outside the box, at which point we're thinking, mm-hmm. oh no, is it, is it a straight red? But actually, looking back on the highlights, I don't think it looked quite as bad as it did in real time. Um, I think yellow's probably the right decision. I agree with you there. You, you, always, you always think it's worse, don't you, at the time? Um, I think because of the location of the foul and also there's recovering defenders in there. But yeah, the free kick, as it turned out, was taken by Hill. And it was straight at GSK, so nothing to worry about in the end. It it's finishes the one-all draw. I've got one other bullet point, uh, which on. I'm sure you'll see on the running order, is Pigeon. Yes. Any thoughts on this? Oh, well, where do you want to, what direction do you want to go in here, Simon? We've not seen wing play like that at the LNER since. God, we've got rid of Mackenzie Heaney. You know? <laughs> they get any more? They jokes right themselves, don't they? No, I, I wasn't going to go in the puns direction, so... Well, you disappoint and anger me. <laughs> For anyone who wasn't there, there was a pigeon who um, set up camp in front of... Just imagine of the... saying that, say, just imagine like, oh, I know, I'm recording the York City podcast tonight, and a sentence I'm going to say out loud is, for anyone who wasn't there, there was a pigeon, right? <laughs> this is the kind of content people enjoy. People have had to sit through us dissecting the, the highlights of a very drab one-all draw. They've been, mm. they've been crying out for this pigeon content. <laughs> The pigeon had set up camp in in front of the goal mm. um, at the south stand end, but yeah, what I did really enjoy was so York were attacking that goal at the time, and we got a throw in in sort of quite an attacking position. You know, there were players rushing forward, 
The pigeon made mm-hmm. no attempt to to move from his spot. Clearly mm. very safe in the knowledge that the ball wasn't coming anywhere near him. You know what this reminds me of, don't you? Go on. Algeria, England, Algeria. Was there a pigeon then? No, the South African World Cup with that bird took up a home base on the um, net, in the netting behind the goal. And uh, it was a goal that England were attacking and net, it was fine. It was absolutely fine. Yeah. Right in, listeners, your favourite top five birds in football. Not, don't say, oh, the lionesses. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to get some bad sexism with that. You're opening yourself up to, uh, to that, I'm afraid, Simon. Top five avian football appearances then, let's say. Are we expanding that to poultry? Well, poultry are birds, aren't they? Yep. <laughs> so what's an elf then? You, you're, not, you're not making me question whether <laughs> a chicken's actually a bird or not. <laughs> what poultry-related football incidents can you recall? The um, the Venkis chicken at Blackburn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Cyril the swan. He's the swansy mascot, isn't he? Yeah, but what's the swan? Is that... That's, that's a bird. A swan's a... Why don't you know no, what I a bird know... is? I know what a bird is, but I'm saying, is Cyril a swan? Pol... It's not poultry, is it? A swan's not no, poultry. No, I'm just saying birds generally. It's a cygnet, isn't it? A cygnet's a, a young swan. Oh, okay. I think we might have got slightly off course here. What score was it again? One all, yeah? One all. Of course it was one all. Oh, yeah. A good point all made, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it finished one all. Let's have a look at the tweets. I don't think we've got any tweets about the pigeon, but let me just double check. So one from Steve Hills, who said, looked better without Dippo. Maybe if more than one person ran beyond LJL when he flicked on, the majority of the mm. balls in the second half, we might have mustered a shot on target. Should have made more of their woeful number five before he was dragged off. Yeah, some interesting points there, because we did improve after Dippo went off. Yeah, and yeah, we did seem to be playing that hit it long to John Lewis. He wins the header, but without getting the next bit of it, which is that somebody has to be running to meet that. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because with with the shop, you have this weird desire for a perfect storm because he can sometimes have a bit of a stinker, unfortunately, you know, his big age and with his fitness rate at levels. And, you know, balls can just hit him and bounce off him in any direction, which will come on to, I'm sure. But he could have games where I think, elements of that on Saturday against Dagenham, especially in the bullets white equaliser. But he does the job quite well. He holds the ball up very well. He's a big, strong lad. Holds the ball up, gets defenders, you know, two, two, two of them marking him at the same time, that sort of thing. Great space for others. It's his hard work that leads up to Amos's cross for Fallowfield's, um, you know, stabbing at the ball. So if you get all parts like, of, the, of the machine working, all the cogs turning, and that includes the ball sticking to John Lewis and him distributing it correctly. I think he's great. It's just for the days that that happens for York City, unfortunately, it's getting fewer and fewer at the moment. Just I guess it's due to his fitness and, you know, um, the advancing of his, of his career. Yeah. Another tweet here from Ben Morrison, who said, we need to be more positive at home. Home games mm. are crying out for Cardner to dictate the game from the back with his passing range and ability to carry the ball forward. We're set up as if we're the away team, and it's far too easy for teams to come to York, and our home form shows it. Well, yeah, interesting shout on Cardinal. We'll we'll come on to whether we feel like the Oldham performance did show more positivity. Mm -hmm. One more kind of circumspect tweet here from Matt Dixon, who said, Sure, pressure is building, and performance wasn't perfect, but calm heads required. A point closer to 50, 12 points to go, 13 games left, hours to lose. Yeah, I think I think we've all got this fifty target in our head, and I think um, even uh, Ardley's made references to it in presses. But looking at um, the results that keep happening around us, do you not worry that fifty might not uh, might not even be enough? I do worry about that, um, and I think mm. we've got a talking point on that. Uh, and yeah, I do remember that we did actually manage to go down with fifty points, so we can't mm. have that as a as a hard and fast target. Uh, 2017, yeah, we, we made it to 50 points and it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we had another home game on Tuesday to look forward to. We were going Saturday, Tuesday again. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I've not heard uh, Neil Adley's response to, to that jingle yet. but He's been too busy signing Leeds attackers. Well, yeah, that's that was what I wanted to mention. So in between the two games, we brought in a new loan signing. So yeah, Charlie Allen, uh, 20 years of age. Midfielder or forward, according to Wikipedia, um, who plays for Leeds and Northern Ireland under-21s. So, obviously, we were all delving into what we could find out about him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so he'd come from Linfield, where he'd broken into the first team, I think age 15. Oh, wow. And, yep, they'd been signed for Leeds in 2020. Been playing for their um, under-21s for a while. Scored a few goals recently in the PL2, apparently. Mm-hmm. I did want to do my research on this one. So um reached out to my brother-in-law, who is a Leeds fan. Mm-hmm. He gave me a bit of info. But did say he maybe wasn't the wasn't the authority, having not you know watched loads of of Alan in action. So he, he recommended a uh, a journalist who does cover a lot of the Leeds under twenty three games. Um, so that was Joe Donahue, and he said, "Good player, quick, impactful, and can play across the front line behind striker. Probably has a career at a level above national league. We'll be interested to see how he adapts to the physicality." Adley had talked about needing to add s- some pace to the side and it seems like that was uh, one thing that kept coming up that, that Alan is quite quick mm-hmm. and if we move on to the Oldham game he was straight in the in the starting lineup because we had four changes Dipper obviously was out uh, with his injury that he'd sustained in the Dagenham game John Lewis also dropping out as well as Crooks and Finley Barnes so Alan yeah coming straight in along with Chadwick and Batty coming back in and Will Davis uh, all of which added up to what looked to be a 4-3-3 so, yeah, was this Ardley, you know, letting City off the leash, finally <laughs> abandoning that that back five, you know, until the until the players crossed the white line? We couldn't be a hundred percent sure of that. There was always a chance Paddy would be there at left wing back, but um, mm, no, yes. it, it was actually the four three three. So, what were your thoughts on this change of system? I think the Allen signing was a great benefit towards it, and it allowed us to have that extra body in an attacking sense. If you're going to tell me that out of these three home games of the last week, one of them we're going to go for a 4-3-3 and the other two will be five at the back, I think the two matches against the our fellow relegation candidates would not have been the match, or the matches, sorry, that we'd have chosen to be so defensive. I applaud the, I, I thought it was a good move um, to uh, go 4-3-3 against Oldham. I applauded it. Maybe it was necessitated in, in parts by Dippo's injury, perhaps. I'm not certain. Crooks had had an iffy game against Dorking and a not great first half against Dagenham, maybe. So, but you could also at the same time, you know, he's, I think he's been reliable when he's been called upon this season. So, it'd be a bit unlucky, to, you know, to have been dropped for this fixture. Yeah, with the four three three that that started the game, I probably would have picked the same. Chadwick maybe was a bit lucky to get in ahead of Finn Barnes. I think we needed a bit of change of tack, didn't we? And whilst everyone on social media and on the forums were kind of bigging up Oldham, maybe rightfully so, they had their odd moments this season. So there's no reason why I need to be too scared of them. And I, yeah, I was very happy with Ardy thinking, uh, throwing caution to the wind a bit more and uh, maybe being a little bit more adventurous. Yeah, and that is how it panned out. I think in the first half particularly, we was, there was a very bright start by City. Mm. We're having quite a bit of the ball, but we're also moving it quite quickly, which we hadn't seen a lot of. Seemed to be passing the ball in what I believe the kids call triangles. Yeah, there was some good quick passing, wasn't there? Where um, you know, pass and move and other such things that you learn in PE in primary school. Um, but you know, I joke it was it was very very positive to see players like Chadwick wanted to get involved a bit more. Um, I think Alan acquit, uh, acquitted himself quite well. Definitely showed that he's got a lot of pace with it, didn't he? Lots of positives to, uh, to taking that first half performance. Some more positive than others. But, um, yeah, very much a decent start. Yeah, I think another positive was Dan Batty's performance. Uh, oh, yeah. Particularly in that first half, there was a few passes that he sprayed around that mm. had the south stand purring, I think, where you're sort of saying, oh, yeah, we can see you've played at a high level. We we can see, you know, that level of ability, mm-hmm. which we maybe haven't had chance to um, to fully appreciate before. And mm-hmm. he, he probably had our best early chance when he... Tried a shot from distance, good twenty five yards out, but plenty of power on it. Not too far over the bar. Yeah, I think the keeper probably got it covered, but yeah, I remember us all getting off, our, getting on our feet for that one, didn't we? In a south stand, so he um, exudes just a control when he has the ball, and he he's really in that first half particularly. He really showed what we've been missing in the months and months that he's been out of action for us. Unfortunately, we know he's had issues, you know, related to his. Uh, illness for his, in his family and also his own injuries so it's stuff you know things that can't be helped and it's very very unlucky but ever since he's come back in away at um, Southend when he made that cameo 
you just reminded, oh, he's so good. It, a fully fit Dan Batty is miles and away our best midfielder, probably too good for this division and would look very comfortable in the division above. So, yeah, more of the same, please, Daniel. Oldham weren't sitting back themselves either. They were definitely trying to get it forward when they had it. Mm. They had a chance uh, when there was a cross from Hogan through to Garner, um, who was free in front of the goal but put it wide, although that was then given offside. They had another chance when Danny Amos handballed it sort of on the edge of the area. It was given as a free kick, but watching the highlights back, I did think, oh, mm. could that have maybe been just inside? I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was just inside, Simon. But I actually think it was the other way around. In the ground, I did panic because of the you know the angle tra- trajectory of us where we watched the game from. I was very very worried for a split second that uh, young Amos had given away a, a penalty to us, Oldham. But on the highlights, I'm fairly certain it's outside the box. But yeah, they wasted the free kick. It was it was chipped over the bar. Um, the debutant Charlie Allen, like you said, he he looked quite quite lively. He had a shot from just outside the area, which uh, curled wide. That was another decent effort, but not troubling the keeper. Yeah, I think it's one of those where it's always going wide, but you like to see a player with confidence in their own ability to give that a good go, and especially a lad who's so young. He clearly thought, he looked at the situation and thought, you know, stuff this, I think I can get it there. Keeper was worried. You know, he went for it. A, a, a good insight into uh, the mindset of, uh, of a player like that joining us on loan from, from such a high division. He had confidence enough to think, yeah, I can I can do something here. Didn't quite come off. Yeah, hopefully see more of that in future. Yeah, but it was goalless at the break. But I think everyone was quite positive in terms of the performance. It was mm. two teams trying to play football the right way, trying to be positive and you know, some moments of quality on show, which was quite different to the Dagenham game, I think. Whilst it was an even game, I was more excited by what we were doing on the pitch. Do you know what I mean? It's it's an interesting juxtaposition. I definitely thought in that first half against Oldham, I was far more entertained than I was at any point in a Dagenham fixture. In fact, you were so entertained that you had a, a bit of a crazy idea at halftime, didn't you, Ben? No, you're absolutely right, Sam. I mean, in the, oh God, was it two years now that we've been at the, um, the LNER? Two and a half years. I've only ever been in Southstand, ever. So I thought, why don't we venture to the main stand, the East Stand for the first time, and see what that experience was like. And I coerced you into joining me. And um, it was an interesting perspective, wasn't it, wasn't it, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I've been in the East Stand a couple of times when I brought my daughter and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll sit at the back in that corner that's near the South Stand. Mm. Because that'll probably be fairly quiet. Uh, but this time, I think your plan was to go... Sort of all the way down to the other end. We could, yes. see, we could see there were empty seats. You know, we weren't going to be stealing anyone's seat. We thought, you know, we'll go down at the goal that City are shooting towards near the Oldham mm-hmm. fans. We crossed that little threshold and then, and then we, we basically um, flew too close to Sunday where we didn't know where to go. Yeah, the massive issue is that I've never, because I've never actually been in the East Stand. Um, I didn't realize that the concourse doesn't run all the way through the sand. I mean, of course it doesn't. Where the changing room is going to go. A bit of a flaw on my part, not understanding the actual, you know, basic design of the stadium. But that's okay, didn't we, Simon? We managed to get a good seat. Yeah, you panicked and ended up in the um, Oldham changing room giving their halftime team talk, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I did a pretty good job, if I'm honest with you, Simon. <laughs> no, no, we ended up somewhere near the halfway line. Very close to Neil Adley, actually. So we got, yeah. to, we got an interesting insight into his uh, touchline antics and demeanour. Always, always very interesting perspective when you can hear the staff, isn't it? And their instructions to the players and even like, you know, when you're close to the field and you can hear the, how the players talk to one another. Just uh, something I'm sure that people who've listened, listened to this pod, you know, depending where they sit or view the games from, they've probably experienced this, but it was a bit, something a little bit different for ourselves and yeah, I quite enjoyed it. In terms of the action from the second half, it was a bit of a change because at least for the first 15 minutes or so, Oldham were really on top, which they hadn't been in the first half. Mm. We know they're a decent team. We know they're riding high in the form table. They're chasing the playoffs. So there's always a chance that could happen. But we do seem to have a habit of coming out a bit slow after half time. I've noticed. Um, don't have the stats to hand, but I did see someone um, showing the stats of when we've scored and conceded goals. And we haven't conceded yeah. many in the first half, uh, but we've conceded quite a few in that first 15 minutes or so of the second half. And, and this was another instance of us um yeah maybe not quite matching the level we've been at in the in the first half no i think you're completely right there, simon it's 
it's a new drum that we keep beating on the show, isn't it? Okay, yes, we have signed a left back. We can stop going on about that. But now we can start talking about how slow we start second halves. And just going touching on what we said before, it's curious that we were watching this develop in front of us. And Ardley just seems to be, you know, giving out his usual instructions and orders to the players in front of him. But there didn't seem to be any sort of real like epiphany or realisation that what was happening was happening, you know? And Oldham just started to move through the gears, you know. I felt it was quite clear to everybody, but there didn't, didn't seem to be any real reaction um, on the pitch until it was too late. Yeah, Oldham were, were definitely on top. And yeah, they had a decent chance early in the second half uh, where the strikers combined quite nicely. Uh, Garner passed it to Fondop, who was a handful uh, all night, really. Mm. He he was running through on the left of the area and then hit a fairly powerful shot, uh, which cannoned off the bar. It's one of those strikes, isn't it, where it kind of puts the fear of God in you because he manages to um, create that sort of space rather easily. And the strength of the shot, it hits the bar so hard. And everyone knows I'm a fan of Sykes came worthy, but the lad's beaten before, before he can even move. And thank goodness it hits the post, uh, I think, on the crossbar. So, yeah, a real wake-up call for everybody um, watching. Yeah, and it's Fondop and Sykes-Kenworthy who are the key men on the hour mark when, when Oldham take the lead. So there's a high cross floated in from the left, and Sykes-Kenworthy starts coming to catch it, but he just doesn't make it on time. And it's Fondop who wins the header, which just sort of floats in into the empty net. Yeah. Now, there's no two ways around it. It's just an error by Sykes-Kenworthy, this one, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is unfortunate. Maybe Smith, maybe do a little bit better, but if the keeper comes that far, is that committed? Um, they have to follow through. They have to punch that. Or, you know, catch that. That can't be going in. Uh, and it does. And you're right. That is, unfortunately, on our boy, George. But did he really want to hurt us with that decision? Yeah, I think this is one to, to chalk up as an error. There hasn't been too many, uh, and we will come on to discuss him in Talking Points. Um, but yeah, I, I just think he doesn't need to come for it because even if Fondop wins that header, if Sykes Kenworth is on his line, that's a fairly straightforward save. You know, he's sort of yeah, near the absolutely. edge of the area. It's not one that's an easy one to, to get a powerful header on. You know, it, it's a cross that comes in from, from quite deep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I just think he makes the wrong call in coming for it, really. Yeah, there's no one really, there's no one else really nearby, is there? I mean, um, Amos is following up behind. There's the um the player on the right hand side of the penalty area that it could possibly drop to. But even then, you're right, you're completely correct. If if George is in his in his area I'm sorry, if he's in his goal goal mouth, we don't really have too much to worry about. So he's really gambled on that one. Didn't need to. It's a very, very strange decision. And I'm yeah, I'm just looking at the freeze frame now on my on my laptop and I'm I'm, I'm visibly wincing at it because it's a strange decision. It's, it costs us daily at that point and uh, I'm sad to say it he just didn't need to do it it reminded me very much of a goal Alan Shearer scored for England against Poland in a World Cup qualifier in 1996 don't suppose you remember that one I do know which exactly which one you mean it's the cross by Beckham isn't it and Shearer commits goalkeeper commits as well and it goes in and it's disgusting that I know exactly which goal <laughs> that you're referring to well Kat's not happy with that reference apparently but um, yeah and we weren't we weren't too happy at that point because we'd looked so bright in in the first half, not made it count in terms of scoring a goal, and then we were one behind. But Hardly mm. did react at that point, uh, brought John Lewis on for Paddy, so uh, sticking John Lewis and Davis up front together, and you could probably say that that paid off quite quickly because ten minutes later we equalised. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where I distinctly remember saying to you at the time when um, Paddy came off, I remember saying. I wasn't too keen on a move to a four four two or flat four four two with Chadwick on the left again because I just don't think it'd been working with with Chadwick in that position previously. I think we discussed that particular issue on the pod. So to see us fall back on it again, you know, um, I was a little bit worried. It absolutely shows what I know. I know nothing about the game of football. I'm completely wasting my time doing this podcast because a mere ten minutes later, you know, with that particular formation, with that style of play. We found ourselves back in the game. And I do want to take this opportunity, but it's okay, so I'm going to say a massive lull um, to the Oldham fans who finally made a lot of noise at 1-0. Why wouldn't they? Had 10 minutes of um, party atmosphere, um, you know, winning away, over a 1,000 away fans in attendance. And then we equalised, and they didn't say boo to a goose afterwards. 
Yeah, so let's talk about that equaliser. We won a corner after some uh, some good work by Billy Chadwick bringing the ball forward. Amos took the corner again. Will Smith won the header, sort of flicked it towards goal. And then the other Will, Will Davis, was there to apply the finishing touch with another header. Question is, was he onside? Yeah, I don't see why not. Let's have a quick look at the, uh, the highlights. Again, I've landed right on the goal. I'm not seeing this um, contentious off- offside decision. Should I be? Should I, should I be seeing something else? Well, Oldham are all appealing for it, and to me it looks borderline. I think it's onside, and uh, you say it's a borderline decision. I'm just intrigued that you've gone from one 80s icon in Boyd George to another with Madonna. So uh, fair play to you there, Simon. I think that's, um, that's an interesting and bold choice. Um, well, you've I think, just given um, me licence to do loads of Madonna puns now, which is a lot more material to work through than, than, uh, <laughs> than Boyd George. So thank you for that. It's it's so interesting how quickly the game turned after the players as well, isn't it? Because um, you know the South Stand had its voice again. Uh, the players clearly had their um, tails up. I don't know. Going one 0 down, I just did not see us coming at all. Um, so I was absolutely delighted with um, the manner of our goal. It's a great cross. It's a lovely fl- uh, assisted header, and Davis's finish is great to see as well. So I'm not going to say it's out of nowhere because that would be very dramatic, but I just didn't see it happening in the manner it did, and I'm so happy it did. And after that, oh, Yorks was very much on top. We did get into the groove after after that. With this oh, no. Assist. Yeah, okay. It was a perfect time to get the equaliser, wasn't it? Mm. I've seen some different reviews of John Lewis's uh, cameo performance. <laughs> there were some people on Radio York saying he, he changed the game, you know, he turned it back in our favour, which... When you look at what happened, you could say it's true. And then other people yeah, saying it yeah. was uh, one of the worst performances they'd, they'd seen <laughs> in a City shirt because everything was just bouncing off his legs at weird angles. Actually, yeah. I sort of think both of those things are true because he, yeah, he, he yeah, really exactly. worried the defence. He won quite a lot in the air. Mm. His final pass or touches weren't quite coming off, but it was meaning that we were actually starting to apply some pressure by going more direct again. I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm going to get some splinters on the backside. But I'm going to, you know, go down the middle with this one. I don't think it was a great performance. But um, I'm going to steal a quote from the Red and Blue Forum and say um, he caused absolute chaos for both Oldham and New York City, didn't he? Because nobody had any idea where the ball was going to end up. The particular highlight was, I'm fairly certain it was his first um, involvement in the game. A, a ball came to his, uh, you know, lower area towards his, le- towards his legs. He, I think he swung a leg at, leg at the ball to try and control it. It missed that leg, hit his standing leg and bounced away. In hindsight, rather comical. Obviously very frustrating at the time. Because of where we were watching the game from, we got to see Adley just turn towards his bench and like mimic what John Lewis had done. Like a comical swing with his leg. Yeah, there was times when John Lewis was winning it and you know turning with it, but just wasn't a pass afterwards. It was uh, a very, very strange performance, especially with the nature of the feedback it that John Lewis had got afterwards from people online. I'm used that in one of my um, York City text groups on WhatsApp. Somebody did say, I won't name them, I won't embarrass them by, by naming them, but they did say that uh, John Lewis was our player of the match and that was um, that show was something. Yeah, I think after that point, again, both teams were trying to play for the win. It was interesting mm. being that close to Ardley, seeing how he was really trying to tell the attacking players to stay pushed up. He was, yeah. Yeah, he was telling... The likes of John Lewis and Alan and others to, you know, don't drop back, don't drop deep, stay pushed up. Mm-hmm. He was also telling Sykes Kenworthy to keep his head up uh, with, with slightly fruitier language than that. He did use quite strong, strong language with that, but yeah, that was a real, you know, sign of strong management. And I think, oh, oh I wish I could remember better. About 10 minutes after um, Sykes Kenworthy's error, he, he, did, he does come and collect um, a routine cross, but he collects it nonetheless and. You, can, you know, you could almost feel like the confidence was back in his in his um, ability. So, yeah, fair play to, to the young lad. But, yeah, um, I can't recall if that was before or after um, Mr. Ardley turning, you know, shouting towards him, shouting, uh, George, get your ing head up. So, yeah, not a sort of um, instructions I would respond to well at work, if I'm honest. But then again, I'm not a pro athlete yet. Yeah, I mean... It was possible Oldham's keeper might have needed to keep his head up because he nearly made a, a bit of a mistake mm. where he fumbled across from Danny Amos. I can't really tell what happens after that. 
John Lewis is involved. Their defenders are involved. Someone flicks it vaguely towards goal, but it goes out of play. Mm. I remember at the time in the ground thinking it should have definitely been a corner, but I think some City players are appealing for a penalty and then they're shocked when it's given as a goal kick. So I can't really make head and tail of it from the highlights, unfortunately, but I can see some people have said it was a possible handball shout. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with you on that one as well, Simon. I guess we can praise what we can see, can't we? It's good hold-up play by Woodyard in the corner, not something he's particularly well known for. And it's another delicious cross by Amos. He's definitely allaying the fears that I had about his signing when one of the bits of feedback we got regarding his, his ability from Grimsby was he's a very defensive wing-back and doesn't offer too much going forward. This is a great cross into the box, into a great position. And also, you know, just go back to it, the Dagenham assist. So he's got a good crossing locker. Um, he's on corner duty, isn't he, at the moment? So, um, yeah, I'm really, really happy with that. Uh, John Lewis does well to be, be a nuisance in the box. Um, he doesn't. He absolutely does not foul the goalkeeper. It's just a, it's a very fair challenge. And he's lucky that, you know, swinging a leg at it doesn't cause it to go in. If it does, then, oof, imagine the scenes. Yeah, but it doesn't go in, sadly. So we do have to settle for yet another score draw at home. Mm-hmm. Before we come on to the post-match analysis, though, there was a uh, a nice little Easter egg for anyone listening on Radio York, which I am going to uh, <laughs> clip in now. There's young Kenneth Twix down there. As he's known on social media, gets up and heads for the exit. <laughs> Kenneth Twix. So for anyone who's not aware, Ben's nom de plume on social media is Ken Twix. Not Kenneth, I don't believe, but... Um, no, which is, so he's done me dirty twice there. Well, he's called you young, so, you know, it's not all bad. That's it. Having just turned 37, I'm taking that all day long. I'm assuming you were sort of uh, on your way back after the match when, when you notified that you'd been called out on the uh, on the BBC. <laughs> Funny enough, it was an Oldham fan who told me, who was listening to the York, uh, Radio York coverage. Yeah, I was in the, uh, don't tell anybody, I was in the bowling alley having a flat pint when I got a notification regarding what had happened. Uh, yeah, uh, very, very amusing. Made it all the more amusing by uh, Ian Dunn laughing at the name as well, as if he'd never heard it before. Probably never heard it before either, to be fair. But yeah, very, very strange moment. Yeah, I think you remarked to me that as a result of that, you're never going to sit in that section of the East Stand again. We need to work out how we can get to the other end of the East Stand, please, Simon, and quick. If anybody knows if there's some kind of underground tunnel system mm-hmm. in operation, or if we can just sneak around the back, or possibly via the pitch... <laughs> yeah do do get in touch about that or about the birds thing that i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. i'm still keen to get input on that crystal palace have got an eagle haven't they they have although i think it died recently so i don't know if they've got a, a new one let's have a look at the tweets in response to the oldham game so we had one from greg diamond that was the benchmark in terms of effort and quality play like that for the rest of the season and we will be okay Den Kelly said, our best display under Ardley. Perhaps a hint of what he would like us to be. I felt we probably should have won it. The chances that don't fall right once again frustrate. And Jack Biggins, a much better performance and a step in the right direction. But you do have to worry about only being one point above the bottom four. Are all these draws and lack of wins going to cost us? It's going to be very tight. Before we go on to talking points, uh, I do have the stats up. I um, forgot to mention him from the Dagenham game, so we'll cover that as well, uh, all in one. So yeah, in terms of the Dagenham game, uh, possession was fairly even. We had 52%, they had 48 uh, We had more shots, 14 to their 8, but only 3 were on target. In terms of XG, we had 1.35, they had 1.41. It's all sort of pointing towards a very even game, and the draw was probably mm-hmm. the right outcome. In terms of the Oldham game, this time we had 56% possession. So you can see we're moving away from that recent trend of letting the opposition have a lot of the ball. Mm. Not many shots for either side, actually. We had two on target. They only had one. And in terms of XG, probably as a result of that, uh, 0.49 for us and 0.55 for them. So yeah, Probably fair. Yeah, again, probably suggests a draw was a fair result. So it's interesting that we were much more positive about this. But we actually didn't create that many clear-cut chances. So... Yeah, I don't really know what that tells us, to be honest, but I thought it'd be interesting <laughs> to uh, to bring the stats up. Any thoughts on those? Um, it's good that the possession stats are definitely more towards the middle. You know, the shared 
bragging rights with the, with our opposition. There's no reason to be um, in negative equity when it comes to possession um, at home, especially against sides that are around us. So I'm happy about that. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just one of them. I, I might have a more firm idea after we play Bayern on Saturday because I wonder what direction Neil and I want to take the side. So it's hard to hard to gauge about. Um, and it sounds weird having played three matches at home in a week, but I think we need one more away game to see what direction Neil wants to go in tactically. Yeah, well, let's move on to the talking points because we've got quite a few. Let's York City. So yeah, thanks for all your contributions and suggestions of talking points. Mm-hmm. As we have got so many and we are uh, running quite late already today, what I might do is park a few of them uh, until next week when we've only got the Barnet game to cover. If that's all right with you, Ben? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, um, some are more time critical than others. I'm sure questions regarding boys being born that can swim faster than sharks can be parked until next week. So there's a couple of related ones. One from Wilshire James that says, did the Oldham game set the blueprint for the rest of the season of having a back four, allowing us more exciting players on the pitch at the top end? And similarly, Cheap Man's Vest says, surely now that Oldham performance lays to rest any doubts that Ardley has a plan and proves that a back five isn't his preference. What do we think on that? Do we think that the back four's here to stay? I mean, the test will be going away to Barnet, but it seemed to give us a lot more attacking thrust um, we looked a bit less stodgy. We we weren't, you know, just passing it around at the back. So I'd be quite keen to see to see this four three three system stay. And I think it it maybe is sort of a glimpse of Ardley Ball and what he might be trying to do next season in terms of yeah having having players who can keep the ball, but also Davis was sort of playing as a target man. We were playing a bit direct at times. We were mixing it up, but we were definitely um, trying to be attacking rather than. Uh, you know, j- just sitting off at, uh, and, and trying to be solid. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. But at the same time, I would counter that by saying the three-five-two did work well away from home, for the most part, against teams that we kind of wanted to stifle and, uh, you know, frustrate and then sucker punch. And going to um, a team that's doing so well in the league like Barnet, I think it is ripe for us to frustrate. Now, can we do that with a four-three-three? You know, maybe I don't see. You know, we we certainly got the players for it. I think the plan with the three five two is like so optimal for the fixture on Saturday. So people might, I think, people might be a little bit surprised um, on Saturday, if I'm honest. But I might be wrong. I've got no insight whatsoever. But I think we have to frustrate Barnet on Saturday, and I think we've got a better chance of doing that with the three five two. There was another part to Cheap Man's Vest suggestion where he mentioned the ludicrous overreaction to the GSK mistake. People have short memories. Whitley, anyone? <laughs> well, see, here's, here's the issue, Simon. You have you put that tweet out asking for questions, right? Reading that tweet out verbatim, the question is very simply, Whitley, anyone? Question mark. So, very straightforward question and a very straightforward answer. No. Yeah, but in all seriousness, I, I think I would agree that if people are, are going mad about it or suggesting GSK should be dropped, then that is an overreaction. Mm. I think he has made two, possibly three mistakes that have cost us goals in his time at the club, thinking about uh, the one against Oldham, obviously. The Hartlepool one where he came for that cross, probably shouldn't have done. Boreham would maybe, uh, that one that sort of bounces in after he makes the save. I think I'd let him off the Ebbsfleet one. Mm. But yeah, even taking all that into account, two or three mistakes. We've had keepers at the club earlier in the season who've made that number of mistakes in one game. <laughs> and he's still got the record of conceding less than one goal a game. So yeah. I'm still quite happy to to take him as a positive influence on the team. We did say yeah. he will make the odd mistake. Um, and so it's proved. But yeah, he, he bounced back from that. He, he still was coming for crosses. And I'd rather, weird as it sounds, I'd rather we had a keeper who was making a mistake by coming for a cross by trying to be, be confident and claiming one than one that just stayed on his line the whole time. I totally agree with that, Simon. Um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. What we get by having a keeper with this sort of mentality means that we're going to make a mistake every now and again. But what we get in return is good distribution, uh, quick turnarounds, and some good saves. So, you know, Is it two penalty saves as well? From what I can remember. So 
you, at this level, you're going to have to trade off on certain things because if he was any better, he wouldn't be playing for us. That's just kind of how it works, isn't it? Question here from Yfront Fanzine, who says, is Billy mm-hmm. Chadwick the new Bob Colville? Now, me and you, Ben, are a similar vintage. Mm-hmm. I had to look up who Bob Colville was, I have to admit, because he was just before my time. Okay. Um, he was at the club, sort of late 80s, 1990-ish. Okay. Did find out his stats. He made 24 appearances, no goals. So I'm guessing he uh-huh. wasn't a, a a raging success at the club. But I'm hoping that, that that's not going to be the case with Chadwick. And I thought probably the Oldham game was his best performance. Yeah, more so first half than the second. But I would agree with you on the whole. As a full you know, um, performance, it's better than the matches that he's put in so far. So but there's more to come from him. And nobody's going to be more annoyed with his performances than Billy Chadwick. And he's going to want to put that right. You can see what, from his footwork, he's got something about him. It's just not coming off just yet. And we we need to unlock that that talent and you know unlock that potential. People are talking at me about Billy being a player for next season. It's a bit of a cop out response, but you know, fair enough. I'll take it at this stage. I'm sure he's got something that he can contribute before the end of this season as well. Yeah, I think it's the same with a lot of our attacking players who have talent. Until we have a decent amount of the ball in attacking areas, they're not going to have that much chance to show what they can do. And it's the same with Dippo mm. as well and, and Davis even. So, yeah, I'm still hopeful Chadwick's going to come good. But yeah, I, I'm going to say no, he's not the new Bob Colville. Um, question about Charlie Allen from Matthew Clegg, which says, should mm-hmm. his nickname be Dave or Lily? Neither. It should be Tim. I think you had a reason for that as well, didn't you? Uh... Mm-hmm. Home improvement. <laughs> And there is your episode title. And then, I guess last talking point for this week, raised by a couple of people, is about where we're going to get the points we need for the rest of the season. So Ian Benton says, how are we going to get three wins and two draws from our remaining games? And is 50 points going to be enough? And Alex YCFC says, do you think the points we need to survive will more likely come against our relegation rivals or the top teams a la Morton 2023? Yeah, they're interesting questions. I think we were all hopeful that with this little run of home fixtures we just had, we were going to get more than two points out of the three games, mm. which doesn't look great. But then if you add in the win at South End, we've had five points from the last four, which is sort of on track for, for what we need, if not brilliant. Yeah, It's hard to say exactly where we're going to get the points. I'm more confident after last night that we will, because yeah. Oldham were a decent team. We've showed we can go toe-to-toe with a decent team, which should bode well for games against the likes of Barnet and and Bromley, even Chesterfield. But I do think we are going to have to start winning some of those home games against the teams around us. Do we have to? Can we just draw them, please? I guess we could. I mean, if we draw every remaining game of the season, we'll probably scrape survival. I'll take it. I mean, we're on 15 draws right now. That is, I count, that's two more than the next highest, which is Boreham Wood. So, I mean, that's impressive, isn't it? 15 draws. If you win a third of those, if you turn a third of those results into wins for an extra 10 points, that would put us 10th, four points off the playoffs. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look, Aldershot are in fifth. They've lost more games than us, (laughs) having played the same number. But because they haven't drawn that many, they've won 16, drawn six, whereas, yeah, we've Mm. won eight, drawn 15. But but Simon I, Simon I would add that one of all the shots um, six draws was against us. Oh well, swings and roundabouts then. Exactly. But I mean, if it was still two points for a win, we'd probably be much higher at the table. <laughs> now that's a campaign I could get behind. But yeah, well, I've got the table up. I mean, lots of people have commented on it, but it is it is mental, isn't it? Because we've got Dagenham in eleventh on forty two points. And then Dorkin mm-hmm. in the relegations places on 38. So four points separating 11th, so top half, to the relegation zone. And <clears throat> we're one of the teams in amongst all that. Mm. So, yeah, it's difficult to know what kind of points tally is going to be needed. It looks like Oxford City have, have gone now. They're 10 points from safety. Kidderminster and Woking are a little bit adrift now, but there's still plenty of time for them to turn it around. Mm-hmm. You've got the likes of Wealdston, who've got loads of games in hand, uh, filed, level with us, but they seem to be one of the form teams in the league. Southend, obviously, in a bit of a false position. And then you've got teams 
like Maidenhead, possibly Eastleigh, who they haven't really been in the relegation zone, but in terms of form, they're maybe ones who need to be looking over their shoulder. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know is the long answer. We, in terms of our home games, we've still got home games against Wealdstone, Fylde, Eastleigh and Woking. So, yeah, in theory, those would be our more winnable games and you'd say, okay, yeah, win three of those, we'll probably be fine. Yeah. But, yeah, if we look at last season, we'll probably go to Barnet and win 5-0. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll beat Chesterfield. We'll lose, yeah. two, we'll lose all those home games, so... Yeah, I, I don't oh, know. Where, I don't know where the points are going to come from, but I think they will. I think they will come in one form yeah. or another. There'll be some surprising results in it. We'll win some. We'll finally win some more home games. I'm certain of it. And there'll be a surprising away result in there. Nobody expected the uh, Chesterfield result from last season, did they? There'll be something akin to that that will appear um, before the season's out. There'll be plenty of um, trials and tribulations before we reach 46 matches. But if you look at every form guide that's available to us, except the league table, <laughs> we're, we're just the nothing mid-table side, and we just need to start showing that a bit more. We're going to be so frustrated by that, uh, you know, black mark that happened at home to Dorking, aren't we? But it's done now. We can't do anything about it. We move on, and it's been two matches since then. There's plenty more to look forward to. So here's hoping that Neil learns something about his um, squad after the Oldham fixture. And we can go on from there. But if we have that sort of setup, it doesn't even have to be 4 3 3. If it's 5 3 2 and it's positive, as long as it's I got a positive mentality and we want to, and we want to win the match. Teams like like Wildston and um Woking are gonna they're gonna be you know up against it against us if we want to play that well. Because players like Batty coming back and the signing of Allen, they're good players. They're probably too good for this division. And we're gonna, you know, we're gonna move in the right direction with them in the eleven. Yeah, you mentioned the Dorking game. It is a bit of a kicker because, yeah, we're one point clear of the relegation zone. If we'd won that game against Dorking, we'd be seven points clear and it would be looking very different. And mm. we'd be level on points with 11th place. So I guess that just shows how <sighs> tightly packed it all is. Mm. Um, but hopefully we're not going to make those same mistakes in future games against our relegation rivals. So in typical same old city fashion, York City have signed a player after the recording has been completed and partway through Simon's edit of the recording. Oh well, that's why God invented voice notes. So we have signed Alexander John Hunt on loan from Grimsby until the end of the season. Um, the reaction from both York fans and from Grimsby fans on social media seems to be positive seems to instill a little bit of hope in me, considering uh, Grimsby fans are a bit disappointed to see him leave. They would like to have seen him give him another opportunity in their midfield, which is not doing too well at the, the bottom of League Two. But also York fans delighted that such a um, potential youngster is uh, is on his way to City. So I'm tempered my um, excitement a little bit um, with the reasoning that, you know, if you do read social media, players like um, Hancocks and Dyson were given rave reviews by our supporters on their way to the teams in the, in the spaces below us at the time, Hartlepool were below us, and Scarborough in a division below. So, you know, I have to, it's a case of wait and see for me. But the pedigree for young Alex is there. Young lad at Sheffield Wednesday offered a lot of, uh, offered a decent wage. <coughs> With a number of years on his contract, but chose to go to Grimsby for a fee, I'm led to believe. A three-year deal as well, so, you know, it's signs that the management at the time fancied him. And for whatever reason, it's not quite worked out. That's their problem, that's their um, autopsy, not ours. Um, I do think this type of player will slot into the midfield quite well, with Woodyard and Batty uh, behind him. That strikes me as a very strong midfield three. And uh, again... Harking back to the recording that we completed this week, how very, very frustrating that uh, a debate regarding return to 3-5-2 or a um, retaining of the 4-3-3 is now completely wasted. It's clear that we're going to go 4-3-3 in future now um, with Alan on one wing and whoever on the other with a strike in the middle and the aforementioned three in midfield behind them. Seems to strike me as much more positive than the 3-5-2. I think Adley... Um, saw that as a, a formation he had to use whilst um, he was getting a proper plan in place 
this appears to be working towards that proper plan. So I'm very, very excited about it. Um, I think we really can get a positive result against against um, Barnet on Saturday. Perhaps not the win that we're all craving, but maybe a, a good, solid point. I wouldn't even be surprised if we're looking at the result at five o'clock on Saturday, wondering, you know what, we probably should have won that. But we'll see. So um, did some last minute looking up at train fares to London. It's not happening for me on Saturday, unfortunately. So it is the um, helicopter over the North Sea for your boy Aspinall. But as long as I get to see it, that's the main thing. So best of luck to, um, to Alex Hunt. And uh, I think we can all agree that his nickname probably should be Mike. So we've got a trip to the Hive to face Barnet uh, on Saturday. Barnet is sitting in third in the league, mm-hmm. but they have only won one of the last five games and they are without some of the key players. So Kabamba, who's scored 19 goals in the league this season, he's mm. missed the last few games with injury. Not sure whether he's possibly back for this one, but fingers crossed he isn't. So yeah, they beat us 4-2 in the home game earlier this season and they were probably the best team we've seen at the LNER. I'd, I'd agree with that, yeah. They were very, very good. So in that sense, probably going to be a tough game. But yeah, they're not in the best of form and they're probably having to start look over, looking over their shoulders to make sure they're going to get that sort of top three place, if not guarantee their playoff place. Mm. So what can we expect from this one? I mean, we did reference the uh, the 5-0 last season, which was a, a bit of a weird one. <laughs> I think it's probably safe to say that's not going to happen again. Well, maybe not. Maybe not to us. <laughs> we, sh- we we have to try and just instill confidence in ourselves, don't we? I'm sure Adley would draw up a good game plan. Um, as I ran, ran on about before, I'm not certain if he's going to keep the four three three or he's going to revert to the three five two. Either way, I'll be happy with that, his decision because I think both can work. And there's a great chance here. I, I, I don't see why we can't get a draw. I don't see why we can't push for a win. We've got players like Davis, Batty doing well. Um, Woodyard's still reliable in terms of midfield. Alan played well enough on Tuesday night. And players like Chadwick have got, you know, things to prove. So it's going to be very exciting regardless of how we set up. And can I get your official prediction on the scoreline? Do you even need to ask? 1-1. One, one. <laughs> and would you take that now? You know what? I think I would. I don't believe either of us are making the trip down to London this time, but um, hopefully the helicopter will be will be ready mm-hmm. for the occasion. Yep, I will be paying a um, amateur pilot to take me over the North Sea for two glorious hours to try and get a decent signal to watch um, the aforementioned score draw at a, a hive slash underhill slash the third stadium in 15 years they want to play in. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing what happens in that one. Apparently... Uh, in another London fixture last January, a flock of 50 parakeets flew around the East London Stadium when Leighton Orient played Doncaster. So maybe we'll get something similar happening again. Maybe the pigeon was just a precursor to that. And yes, I have just been Googling birds appearing at football matches uh, while you've been talking. Well, thank you for that, Simon. This podcast, as always, very informative. Although, of course, Barnet are themselves the bees, and bees are not birds, I believe. No, they're insects. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough avian chat for now. Yeah, I guess all that's left to say is thanks very much for listening to us whittle on again. He left last season. How's he doing at Yeovil? I don't know, actually. I, I should know, shouldn't I? How often I get down there. But <laughs> but yeah, any closing thoughts before we do one? Just, um, as always, thank you for the interactions on social media. We are trying to get in the swing of things, that we Simon, putting up more. Silly little bits of fun, memes and other things to interact with. So thank you for doing so. The um, talking points that we do each show now are starting to get very busy. We're having to you know, park some as we did earlier. So we're really delighted with this increased engagement. Um, definitely makes the whole thing and watching this turgid football team all the more worthwhile. And you can find us on the uh, aforementioned social media channels on Instagram and Twitter. We can be found at the at Sale City Pod. Uh, username uh, give that a search you'll find us and plenty of good content yeah absolutely and uh yeah hopefully the next time uh we get mentioned on radio york the, the podcast will get called out by name but uh... <laughs> yes if you're listening mr ward 
next time you want to uh, dox me, if you could at least mention a podcast, that would be appreciated. But until next time. Keep the faith.